Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you today. And my question is, do you remember when you met one of our favorite people out there, Linda Reef? Do you do you remember y'all's interaction? I do. What was that interaction like? Put paint us a picture. Well, first of all, I had to get over my giddy fan <laughs> stuff. <laughs> You know, I had to act like I was not like, like, I mean, I had to act cool, you know? I know. Actually, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's so funny because, you know, I've, I've met several people. Like I I talked to you through the podcast, which is one thing, but when you Mm -hmm. see them in person and it's funny because they're, these just teachers, right? You know, they're educators, but it's also like, you know, you really connect to people and it's like a, there is that little fangirl thing going on. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh yeah. So, you know, we had to, well, of course, everybody here knows that I'm an Abydos trainer, right? And so to be an Abydos trainer, we had to, and back then, it was in the early 90s, okay, when I became an Abydos trainer. And during that training, we had to read 30 books, and we had to summarize every one of those books in one page or less. And it had to be precise, concise, and thorough. And then it was graded. And then we had some other stuff we had to do. Well, one of her books was one of the ones that I had to summarize on one page or less. And let me tell you, if you want to learn something, you do that exercise because that's one of the reasons why I remember stuff that I, because of that exercise right there. And then of course, they're going to grade it. And then if you don't, if you don't meet their target or their standard, then you had to redo it. Thank goodness I never had to redo one, but I had some in my cohort that did have to redo some. So I wasn't going to be one of those. So I, apparently uh, everything went well. But one of her books, that was that was my first introduction to Linda Reeve was one of, was reading one of those books and having to, to uh, summarize it. So she's one of uh, Abydos's, um original research, you know, um, I guess foundational uh, people that we research, and so she was invited to be an uh, to be a part of an author's luncheon at the training conference at the trainers conference. It's now open to teachers, but back then in the nineties, it just was open to trainers at that time, and uh, it was rather small. So because it was rather small conference, you know, it was more you can sit down and talk with each other. So I happened to be in her author's luncheon and she happened to sit right next to me at my table yes <laughs> so I had to be careful <laughs> I had to be careful because you know I was like you know hyperventilating and I was eating at the same time so I mean it was a very scary moment for me not really but just food wise because I was like you know how when you're around greatness you're like then everything you do becomes meticulous you know you're just like you watch every little bitty thing even your breathing I don't know it's just it's just crazy when you're like so so but we were listening and what was neat about getting to sit at her table and don't know how I I pulled that off but I I, it was it was very fortunate but she sat right next to me and she talked to us about publishing and uh, one of the things that was really neat about what Linda Reef does is she 
allows her students to be in the moment of their lives, so to speak. And what I mean by that is there is something going on in their life. She allows them to write about it and even figures out a way to get them to publish. So her students publish outside of her classroom, not just inside her classroom. And she told us one story where this boy was a geography geek, right? And he was reading his geography book. And so he brought um, brought that into uh, her class. She didn't teach geography, but that's the situation. And she, it, they were doing editing. And it bothered him that the editors would miss such a huge situation on this map. I mean, they they made a huge mistake on the map. And they he was really upset about it because she had taught them to be meticulous in their work. And if they're going to do it right, do it right. Okay, so he she said, well, why don't you write them a letter? So he writes them a letter, explains what the mistake was, etc. And they hire him as one of their editors. They hire him wow. to actually proofread some of the stuff because he had he was able to do it. And so he even, I think, started writing for them and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. It was for this, uh, you know, a, a book company. So it was pretty cool. So that was, I remember that one because I thought, man, that would be something if I could get my kids to really do that. And I, I, and I think I'm still trying to get them there. I've had some kids publish outside, but not like that. Not where, you know, I, I just, you know, if I could just channel my inner Linda Reef. If I could just do that, my kids would be more successful. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the, I've looked into some of that too, because that was a conversation you and I had, you know, when we were originating inside the, you know, when we were in the, the depths of really creating craft and draft and, you know, our weekly conversations, our daily conversations of how a, a journal system would do this and how it would honor authentic work. That's one of the conversations we had. That's why publishing is such a big part of what we talk about is because it, 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 we were like, well, that's what the the ending. It is not the ending goal of everything you write, but it is an ending goal in writing. And so right. we 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 had those conversations. And uh, one thing I've I've learned, and maybe our audience um, can can help us a little bit, uh, is I've like there's a there's there's competitions out there, but a lot of them are restricted to. Uh, certain age groups, or you can submit to certain things, but like a lot of it is like 16 and above. And you know, if you're in elementary and middle school, you know, you're probably not teaching 16 year olds. And so that's something that maybe I can, uh, partner with some of, uh, uh, the the English teachers I'm working with now that now that I'm up at the high school level to see uh, to see what we can do there. But in any case, I, I'm I'm gonna we're gonna cycle back to Linda Reef here in just a second. We're gonna tie this up into a little bow. But I want to welcome everyone to the Craft the Draft podcast. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chesney. We're two English teachers down here in the state of Texas. I'm still calling myself an English teacher. Are you okay with that, Ochoa? I I, I, I know I'm an assistant principal now, <laughs> and, but I I'm, I'm still I feel I'm I'm an English teacher. It's who I am. It's my lifeblood. But uh, and yeah, any- I want to answer that. Yeah, I'm okay with okay. it because really, truly, are you not going into English classrooms yeah. every day and helping them out? I mean, you just said last on the last podcast that you are even. Uh, you know, giving feedback to the students. I mean, that's 
English teacher at heart. Yeah. And, Always. And we even, uh, I had several moments this last week, you know, the classes are starting, you know, they're, they're picking up steam and some other things are going on. Um, I got to sit in on a, on a book tasting and the, the class was amazing. This teacher is, is phenomenal. She's, she's one of my, my people, uh, in the sense that she's, she's been middle school. I think most of her career where I think we've taught roughly about the same time. So the way she would do her book tasting was very reminiscent of what you would see at our campus. And so, um, it was awesome. And I was in there and kids were looking at stuff and I had a kid, he picked up a, they're freshmen. So he picked up a, a book and he goes, Oh, this looks kind of cool. And I go, that is cool. But that's the third book in the series. I was like the first one, do you want to hear about it? He goes, yes. And it was, uh, it was, it wasn't unsold. That's what unwind. There we go. That's the first one. So I showed him unwind and I I pitched it and he goes, that sounds awesome. He goes, I'm going to go look for it. And he went and found it on another table. And then other kids go, Oh my God, that sounds awesome. And so they wrote it down because they were, you know, they were writing down like, I think it was like seven books or whatever. So I did that in another table. Um, they were, they saw the book thief, and they were kind of looking at it, and I described it. I was like, oh, this book's really interesting. And I flipped to the first page because the first page says, here's an undeniable fact that you're going to die. And I said that, and they went, what? And I go, yeah, see, that sounds weird, but when I tell you that this is in – this is uh, during the Holocaust time of Germany, and it's written from the perspective of the Grim Reaper. And they went, oh, my God, and they all grabbed the book. So I had that moment, and then I turned around, and a student that I taught through sixth and seventh grade was right behind me. She's in that class. Ah. And her sister is a junior who I taught several years before. They were over there, and I saw her at lunch. So, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty fun being in that um, environment. So I had that, and then I planned with other groups where they were talking about trying to do some cross-genre, having one project kind of lead into the next, and we figured out a solution. So I'm still in it, guys. All of that to say, I'm still an English teacher. I'm still doing it. <laughs> I'm just doing it across a spectrum of students now rather than my specific class, which is pretty I'm, – I'm grateful for if I wasn't having any of these moments, I'd probably be crying right now because I'd be lying if I said <laughs> I'm not missing the classroom a little bit. But back to this. We are the Craft the Draft podcast. We talk about reading, writing, workshop all the time if you are new here. And we are supported by our wonderful patrons just like you can over there at patreon.com. You can find that link at craftanddraftworkshop.com. But the people who support us are as follows. Tracy, Susan, Natalie, Lori, Destiny, Melissa, Carol, Courtney, Rebecca, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia Here's the thing. What do you get when you support us? You get bonus episodes, which one just dropped for everyone. You get bonus videos, which dropped for our listener plus tiers. The bonus video is all about how I conference. And it was, it was one I did through, uh, teach me teacher, the, the Facebook page. No one else has ever seen it except for the people that paid for access, but our patrons get access to that video now. So it's, it's, it's wonderful if I do say so myself, but uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's like an hour and a half of conference talk, which is always nice. So you can go get there. We have our journal setup system. If you want to see physical things and our like two hour training that we did is over there for your access at our listener plus tier as well so tons of value over there and it's just going to keep going because we add to it every single month so go there if you want exclusive content and support us and keep this podcast going but today uh, this is going to be kind of like a i listen to some podcasts they call episodes like this a mailbag where you you go into your your email and everything and your your dms and you you pull out questions and i feel like that's what we're going to do today as well as meander through workshop and everything so we'll see all the topics that we hit today we're going to talk about vocabulary. We're going to talk about publishing today and probably a few other details. But welcome to Craft and Draft, ladies and gentlemen. Whew, 
I got winded in that intro. There were so many things to say. I was like, oh my God. I want to, I want to say I did watch your conference. Oh, did you? I did. I know you're surprised. I I am surprised actually. (laughs) I took time and I watched it. What'd you think? I liked it. I thought you did a good job. It was very professional. I said, but I, I really took notes because I need to, I still have not pulled down notability. I need to talk with you because I got to figure out how to get in this, this iPad. I can't get into because I need to pull it down. I think it's a great way, but seeing it really helped me out. So I think if people are interested in that, I, I mean, that really is uh, worth watching because you, you really show your pages and how you do that. But but I liked your principles. Your, I think there were seven of them, right? Things to remember mm-hmm. as you're conferencing. And I thought that was a great list. And so, yeah, I thought you did a good job. I mean, I'm going to go back and rewatch it, honestly, because I'm about to start conferencing. That is so funny. I didn't even think you would more, watch more it. S- I was like, oh, she's, I mean, because we, we talk about it all the time. I'm like, that. that's hilarious that you, yeah, that you did that. I, that's cool. I, I do. I look. Oh, speaking of mm-hmm. the last uh, podcast that we did, we taught you. You answered a question about absent work, mm-hmm. and I pulled down your idea, and I taught my first absent lesson, and that's the very first mini lesson of the year, uh, because I got to be out this week because my mom's having surgery, and I got to take yeah. care of her. So I immediately put that up there. There's no excuses. They all know how to do it because I went through it with them. So I'm using your idea. So yes, Jacob Chastain, I do use your ideas. That's so funny. Well, I know, I know, I use yours. I mean, we've we've documented the the work you've done, uh, uh, you know, for my my uh, professional life. But that actually leads me perfectly into why I asked you about Linda Reef. So okay. I was podcasting this morning with the one and only Linda Reef about her new book. It's going to come out on Teach Me Teacher in a few weeks. Uh, Her new book's called Whispering in the Wind, A Guide to Deeper Reading and Writing Through Poetry. I highly recommend people doing it. About half the book is her writing about it and kind of her perspective on poetry and how she introduces it. And then the next half, oh, and also how to create what she calls heart books, which you mentioned heart maps at the beginning of it, which we'll talk about in just a second. But uh, she's developed these things called heart books, which are amazing. And literally half the book is just her students, like examples of these heart books from her students. And they're incredible and it's awesome. But so I'm talking to her and just kind of off the cuff, it was maybe, I don't know how deep it was into the podcast, but I would go, you know, on a, I was like on my second podcast, Craft and Draft with my partner, Pam Ochoa. She goes, I love Pam. How is Pam doing? She was, I swear on all. Really geeking out right now. <laughs> I swear. I, not, I, I didn't have know a, you podcasted with her today. I am so jealous. I That's know. Awesome. It, it was so funny because I, I knew I had heard the story about y'all, you know, you, her sitting at your table and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I just, I didn't know like how well you had talked to her or whatever. So I didn't really think much of it. But when I brought you up, she knew exactly who you were. She was like, I haven't talked to her in a while, but I love Pam so much. She was so excited. And then, uh, you know, we, we and then off air after that connection you know we talked a little bit about you know you and and just everyone else and so linda reef she she knows who you are miss ochoa oh my god you're a mover and shaker well i had you know one of the things that um god's been really good to me and that is letting me see people who later on in life who have changed my life and of course she's one of them through books through whatever and so i went to a, a conference a few years ago about what she's talking about. I went through a conference and it was with Penny Kittle 
and uh, Colleen Beers and, um, you know, and uh, Linda was, Reef was there as well. And I had the opportunity to go up to them and um, I thanked every one of them, you know, so, and I thank them for changing lives because that's really what they're doing. I mean, when they write these books, you know, you, you, you go out, you don't realize the influence that you have. But everybody, in all these, all of you who are listening to us, I mean, every one of us is an expert at something. And we have something to offer to others. And everything that we offer, I mean, if we're willing to share, it changes lives. And so that's so, but I've been very fortunate to be able to uh, thank the people and including my reading teacher from seventh grade. I was coming out of, uh, Coming out of Dillard's one day, and I said, oh, Miss MacArthur. And she says, Well, I miss Franklin now because she's all real. She's one of those real, like, I miss Franklin now. But she's the reason I'm a reader today. Um, she's the one who didn't give up on me when I wanted to be kind of a bad seventh grader. I was trying that out. It didn't fit me very well, but I tried it out and she caught it. And and anyway, she gave me some books that really fit what I was needing at the time. And so I had the opportunity to thank her, you know, uh, my seventh grade reading teacher. So I've been very fortunate. So Linda was one of the ones that I went up and thanked her that day. So well, I can't believe she remembered me. I know. Awesome. And it, it wasn't even like a, a pause. She, You'll hear really? on the episode, the moment I say your name, <laughs> she just she was That's in so it. Awesome. Thank you, Linda. Yeah. So maybe maybe we can get her over here to <laughs> craft to get and her draft. Over here. Well, yeah. it, it was very nice because you know, you know, this is how it is. Like when we brought Laura on the show, oh, you know, when, that's when, another geeky time for me. Well, when you when we talk to these people, right, or when we interact with them mm-hmm. in any way, you know, they influenced our teaching so much and influence our teaching so much that it's yes. uh that you Sometimes I think because we we you know we regurgitate a lot of what we read from these people and, and yes. what we've learned from them and we add our own twist and you know craft and draft is is a is a combination of your people and my people and the people we share and coming together right. into a unique thing but truthfully it's so reassuring sometimes when you talk to someone who like she was sitting there and she was like, you know, and then I, cause we were talking about like how she kind of got writing about what she does and, and sharing her work. And she talked about how it was, it was Don Graves. She was in his class and, uh, and encourage, I know, well, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I'm so I'm geeking out. I'm like, Holy crap. She Everything was at the, goes back to I, of course it does. We, we mentioned him before and she even mentioned, uh, his book, Writing Children and uh, Adults at Work, or whatever the the subtitle is, which that book changed my life as well. And um, it was so she was like, yeah. And then, you know, he came over to me and he started talking about me wanting to share my work. And she goes, yeah, well, Nancy Atwell has already written everything there is to write about this. And he looked at her and goes, yeah, but no one has written about your students and your experiences. And so, and that it's just those moments. I'm just like, Oh my God, I love what I do. Like I just talking to educators being in this, it is a lineage of workshop teachers. It really is some I'm mm-hmm. I need to just write a blog post about it or something or make a PDF yeah. like the lineage because I we've referenced it so much. Maybe that's a project you and I can do for craft and draft is we can really yeah, set the historical lineage and maybe maybe throw together something that's physical so people can know because I think it's important. I think it's important to know where all of these ideas come from and, and pay respects to the people that came before and I think that's a great idea, Jacob. And that fits in with your Abydos thing because y'all have to well, you y'all, do have y'all to always do that. have to credit everyone and, mm-hmm. and read 
really go back, you know. I, yeah, we go all the way back to Jenna Emig in 1969. Then we go all the way back to Louise Rosenblatt. Yeah, well, you're the, the one 30s. that you opened that door for me because I thought I was going back, and you're like, oh, there's, there's, you're, you need to go about four <laughs> more decades. That's right. <laughs> I remember that day. Yes, and and what I do, <laughs> I was like, talk to me until you I, do all. I that. go, all right, I'm gonna need this book and this book and this book. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Rosenblatt, I mean, you, us bonding over that research that she did, yeah, that, 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 that's a core of how craft and drafts got put mm-hmm. together. So, you know, I'm sure when, when our book inevitably gets written and published in some it's way, it's all my fault. Everybody. <laughs> I try not to bring it up, but when we, uh, it when, when it fault. does though, I mean, that, that'll probably be a good place to do that in actually the, a chapter on, you know, kind of the history okay. and. And tie all, all right. that research in, you know, just a, just an idea, another th- another task for us to do. But all right, I'll 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 get on that. All right, so let's get to some questions. I I hope people are probably like, oh my god, they just talk on these shows these days. They, they don't even have a topic anymore because <laughs> we don't work this together is, anymore. We don't work together anymore. <laughs> this is the conversations we have when we're this not what, working. This is what people would miss <laughs> before. Working. Yeah, this is our lunch talk. Because anyway, by the time we sat down for a podcast, they'd be like, oh, my God, I've had 50 conversations. We already know what we're talking about, Ochoa. But now we have so much to say. But, okay, so let's do um, let's do the, the vocabulary ones first. Because okay. these – and then we'll, we'll close with publishing because I feel like we can tackle this in some different ways. And you're, you're, you're so good at vocabulary and what you do, so I think we'll do this. So we had two questions that came through – Patreon uh, last week that we didn't get to. Uh, we mentioned it kind of briefly at the end of the show because we talked too long. But um, these are these are tied questions, so we're going to kind of answer them. We're gonna, I'll read both and then we'll answer them together. But okay. um, Susan wrote to us. She said, "Hey, I would love to hear how you address vocabulary in the classroom. Do you identify specific words to introduce within the text, or do you ever introduce vocabulary outside in the context of specific texts? I guess Pam does on day." On day one, a little smiley face. <laughs> do you do anything so that students see or hear certain words over and over so that the words become known by the students? I teach fifth grade. Seems to be a thing for so many of us who listen. I'm telling you, it's the fifth grade teachers who are all in on the workshop live and started listening to you a year ago. I implemented Craft and Draft and look forward to tweaking this school year. I really appreciate the virtual PD and all the conversations about ways we can reach students in our classroom. So that's Susan's question. So how we introduce vocabulary, where do we get it? Uh, do we use it from outside? And then Carol kind of doubled down on that and said, along the lines of the vocabulary question, how do you teach or suggest teaching Greek and Latin roots? So where, where do we want to start with this one, Miss Ochoa? What do you want to what it, uh, tackle first? Well, I think I, right now let's just do the Greek and Latin roots, and then and then because I think that there's a few things that I'd already pulled up, knowing you know in anticipation. But I have you know our friend um, who I've tried to get on the podcast, but she kind of pretends I don't ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Angie has been out. I'm saying her name because she's got to get on this. Um, but she's probably you know she's my presenter. I present with her quite a bit. And one of the things that she does is she does Greekimon with her kiddos. And she gets this, these informations. Greekimon actually comes from uh, bird seed. And we might want to put that maybe a link somewhere because it's, it's a www bird seed. 
B-Y-R-D-S-E-E-D, and it's really a site for GTE kids. But what it is on this Greek Mon, if y'all have never seen it, it's where the kids actually take two words and they put them together and they create their own uh like pokemon cards but they have to say uh you know they have to they have to talk about the power they have to talk about its weakness and they have to say what it means and so they're actually learning how these words fit together and so i thought that was kind of cool and so and then they create these cards and then they're trading cards and then they trade their cards during the day especially with those elementary kids they're all really big on those cards so they create their own trading cards but it's all about greek and Latin uh, uh, stem words, root words, prefixes, and suffixes, and so it's so that's what they do. They put them all together. So let me give, um, let me just think of one right here. I think I pulled one up. And it's called Emophilia. I think is Emma. I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying to get it to pull up, but uh, yeah. So anyway, on this one, they put together. Uh, Two words, one uh, one is uh, Amy, and then and then Phyla. So Amy Phyla is a very nice and, and is very nice and caring. She thinks that everyone should always be happy, uh, and it, she put together Amy uh, or Amy equals love, and then Phil equals sweet, sweet. And so then they have to give their you know their strengths and their weaknesses and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun, kind of a fun thing, and so you can find that on. Um, you know, I just Google Greekymon, but it they have a lot of things like that. So that's one thing that I do. And then I also make sure um, for Latin and, and root words and things like that, I use um, where the students have to, they get the word and then they actually create uh, little banners, small banners. That's what I put on my word wall in the back of my, you know, of my room. And, uh, and that's where the word looks like. You know, they, they like if if the word is um, shiver. I'm not, I don't have it another one, but you know, that are like this Amy or whatever. Then then all of the letters would be like heart type shapes, but they would end up making the letter. Uh, so if it's fire or pyro, then all the letters are burning, things like that. So I do that, and then kids use them in their stories. They can create heroes and do all this with the with the cards, and they write stories with them. So. That's one thing I do. Now, I, you and I have feelings about vocabulary out of context, and I, it's the same thing of anything out of context. So I don't think it's really mm-hmm. just vocabulary that we're we kind of rail against sometimes. Um, but here, here's my question to you, because for people who I guess who are uninitiated, is typically we try to do everything within context. If we're, if we're, we try to find pieces, find excerpts, find poems, whatever we're using that do whatever we're looking to do. So if there's a word, if there's a a root or something like that, we try to do it within context as much as possible. Sometimes it's not possible. So you can do it outside or something like that. But is there, is there ever really a time in like, can, I, I guess, can we, in terms of that process, is there rationality for doing vocabulary out of context to, to having vocabulary words that you just give students that you learn or or whatever that way? Is is there ever really a reason to do that in your opinion? No, I mean o- outside like the, of school mandate, maybe. 
Right. Well, that's the thing is we're mandated to do right. all the Latin. And we, so this is just a fun activity. But then if you can take it and have the kids use it, then you're putting it inside of a context. And then, of course, if you find other words, you know, other songs, other things that have these words in them, then, of course, you're going to bring the context into your vocabulary lesson. So I think either way, either you pull it out of the reading or you insert it into the writing. You've got to do something with it um, so that they can remember it. They're not going to, you, you only remember what you use, correct? And if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, you know, there was a time where I could speak a little French. Now I speak a little less French because I don't ever use it. You know, and so I think it's the same way with with any kind of vocabulary. And so one of the things I want to say about the kind of Greek and Latin roots is, you know, I because it like I, I could see someone saying, OK, that's cool in context. But there's a lot of Greek and Latin roots that aren't that are hard to find in context. It's also hard to really search those out because how do you even do that in, in like a in a specific context? And so, but those are the things that pop up on tests, right? The, the random yeah. ones that they try to pull in those. And so I, I think this is my general strategy, you know, and obviously mandates are mandates. If people want you to use something, then by all means use it. But um, I think the way I was, you know, fairly f- effective at it um, was when, so if I was focusing on that, this would probably be maybe an early lesson somehow in maybe the first few weeks of school and then just kind of cycle in every once in a while is if I find a piece that really has something like that in there, that's, that's interesting, or there's a word that's kind of outside of the norm, we'll look at that. We'll focus that that's a root. And then I'll just train students in that lesson. And then periodically, of how, like how, how to one know that there are roots, like what does that even look like in a word and then how to, how to decipher it from there. And so I think that the, it's less to me, it's less about really memorizing it necessarily right? and really understanding how to kind of do that. Now there's probably a few ones, uh, a few ones, there's probably a few <laughs> ones that, uh, that really are useful to know in reading because they come up all the time and it really does help understand unfamiliar words or anything like that it helps you decipher some of that. But if you give kids the keys um, to that process, that kind of an outline of how to think through that, I think, you know, I, Honestly, I feel like that takes care of probably 80% of what you need to do with Greek and Latin roots, in my opinion. I mean, I guess I could see some pushback in certain situations, but I don't know. I When when it comes to that, it's like, you know, do I want kids – do I do I want to drill and kill these to where kids just mm. – they, 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 they check out already so I'm wasting my time? Or do I want to make it as authentic as possible, give them some tools, and then just double down on it as much as I can throughout the mini lessons? And that, that seems to take care of most of it. Right. And, you know, with the idea of, like, the Grookymons of creating cards that they can trade, I mean, that's something that they do on a – I mean, these kids yeah. trade these cards left and right. So, to me, it's within the context of their life. Mm-hmm. And so, you're just adding, you know, a little educational nuance well, to it. And you and I had this conversation last week when we were planning to talk about this on the podcast where I've seen – I've never used that, but our uh, – I used to work with a teacher who's also an AP in my district now, but he uh, was the English department chair before I had it at our campus, and he 
he did it. He went to, I, I believe he was in y'all's training and, uh, mm-hmm. um, with, with your, your buddy and was told about that and he did it and he had huge success. So I have literally, I've seen that process go down and it's fun. It's engaging. Um, and they, you know, they, in context, it, it really does work. So I think it's awesome. So how, how does this connect to doing vocabulary overall for you? Cause she, uh, Susan, she said, you know, do you identify specific words to introduce within the text or do you ever introduce vocabulary outside of context of specific text? So when you think of vocabularies, you're thinking elementary, you know, there's usually, you know, a bunch of words that they have to know could be challenging to always find those in context. So how do you handle that? Well, I, you know, I had a friend that moved from seventh grade to third grade, and she called me the other day, and she's got the same problem. We sat down and met. But one of the ideas, you know, because she's like, she's having to teach these sight words is something that was kind of, you know, we don't really do that in seventh grade. You know, we don't really have to hit it vocabulary like that. Ours is more on expanding, and theirs is more of recognizing sight words so that they can learn them. But one of the things that, that, I had, I think it was my son's uh, English teacher years ago, a third grade teacher, second grade teacher. She would put, she would cut up and have word bags, you know, so all the words that they had to know, they would be in these bags, you know, it's almost like refrigerator art or refrigerator poetry. And so they would be, so all the words that the kids had to know would be in here. And so then what they would do is work in teams and they would create sentences and they would create stuff and manipulate all the words so that they would make sense. And so they were actually moving all these movable parts around to create words using those. And then and then from there, uh, maybe their sentence that they start, that could be a start sentence for some writing. That could be a sentence stub for a writing uh, activity. So then they can take that sentence and then they have to do that. I could see you having your kids, this would be kind of fun, having your kids create a sentence out of their word bag, right? Especially just depending on what grade level they are. But if they were younger, I could see younger kids doing this. So they create a word or a sentence, right? Teacher comes around in a conference format, talks about, you know, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Okay. And then once it, once the teacher approves of all the sentences, then that group has their starter sentence. And then they can do a writing roulette where you start the sentence and that sentence starts a story. And then they have to pass it around to the next group until they all are to the next person until they all create the story. Could start off from the same sentence or you could, you know, change it up. But these could be sentence starters. So, and then the kids could do like a little writing roulette. It'd be kind of fun, but they have to use the words. So that's the thing is they'd have to use the words. So that might be one way to do it in writing, in reading, I mean, writing. And then in reading, I would just make a point to find these words and in reading and have the students do um, scavenger hunts and things like that. So, and what I mean by that is get yourself selected reading book out. If you find one of the words that we've been studying, highlight it and let me know or, you know, put it in your maybe have a spot in in your craft book where they, you know, I have a spot in my craft book at the beginning uh, where they do reader response. Uh, this year, we t- the kids decided that it looks more like it would be better if it was S squared, R squared, silent, sustained reading response. So they're calling it this year S squared, R squared. And so it's just a section where when we read, we have to respond 
And so if if we're doing and concentrating on vocabulary, if they find any of the words we've been studying in their reading, then they would write that down in that uh, response area. Or if you have a vocabulary area, you could do it there. But that that could be one thing you could do. I just always have the kids go find words. That's that's just the number. I tell them I love words. You do, and so love then words. I do, and so and then you know we try to find words within words, and we do you know we just play little five minute games here and there, and then I say okay, out of all the all the words that we just came up with, I need you to try to use five of them and today as you write, you know, see if you can get them get them in your in your space as you're reading today. Look for them. Is it, let us know when you find them, and so that way we can see the context and then we that could be a sentence that we can study you know for uh for grammar or anything else that we're trying to do i you know i so one of the things that i've done and i imagine this could work for any vocabulary list but on days of a workshop where you know it, it might be what you know quote unquote a filler day you know it's at the you did a test on wednesday you have Thursday, Friday, before you don't want to start a new unit on those days, or you don't want, you know, you don't want to kind of keep it going, but you still want to do a meaningful lesson. I have picked out like some interesting words with definitions and really let kids, we kind of go through them. Now, kids aren't copying definitions or anything, but we just go through and we, I use it as a team builder kind of where we look at like really interesting words. Um, like there's a, I forget the name of the website off the top of my head, but there's a website out there that does interesting like words that define like really unique feelings. So like the feeling of realizing everyone you see has their own lives and their own destinations. It's like, there's a word for that. And like, uh, like the word for the feeling of listening to rain inside of a house, you know what I mean? Like they're like that right. type stuff and they're really fascinating. And so I would let kids talk about this, but my whole point of it would be if you come across a word that's interesting or sparks an idea, Play with it in your writing. See if you can use it. See if it, right. if it goes that way. And I think you can do that with with uh, you know vocabulary list if you have lists that you need to teach or Latin and Greek roots. Just just introducing that stuff as a not just as the list, but using it in an activity of some kind. So that makes it in context, right? So when we say in context, it doesn't always have to be like an excerpt from something. The context could be the the lesson of the day. But out of context to me is, here's a list, copy them down, you need to use these. That's out of context to me. The moment it becomes Greekimon or um, using as a team builder to use this as or or really diving in, that becomes context to me. So um, I, I think that is a really cool way to get kids not only engaged in it, but realizing that the fun the the fun aspect of words. Words are interesting. That you know, one of my yeah. I, I'm so disappointed because no reader of Rightfully Empowered has pointed it out yet. But I lit I there's a quote in there that I put in that book because it made me laugh and I love it so much. And no one has pointed out, and I'm so upset about it because it it's a, it's from a, a rap song. But I was talking about um, it's a section of the book where I'm talking about the kind of grammar and structure and and whatnot. And my ultimately my ultimate point of it is yes, all of this is important, but really, you know, meaning should dictate form. Which by the way, Linda Reef said that today, which it was amazing. But um, we were I, that was my whole point. And in this song. 
by this rapper. His name's Crooked Eye. He says, the English language has to do whatever my verse say. And I said, I was like, that's, I quote that in there. And it's, it's such a moment. And I did it because it was funny, but it's such Mm -hmm. a funny thing that in a, like, the, you know, in this, this rap song, that is what we're talking about. Yes, there, we know there's rules in English. There's, there's rules in all of this, but the language is ours to manipulate. We do what we do with the English language. The English, we're not subservient to the rules of language. It helps to know the rules and move that way, but we need to use language for our own means. So getting kids into that mindset, I think, is the key to really making vocabulary come alive is why do we learn words at all? What do words mean? How how do words form? What are the parts of words? That's interesting. That's something Mm -hmm. that – and that's what you're good at. You – I've seen you do this real time where you'll be like, (laughs) you know, how do do you think words exist? And you'll go down this rabbit hole with with (laughs) students. But then you tie it back to your lesson and your mini lesson and then kids walk out there going, holy crap, I didn't know this. And they learn vocabulary. You made it relevant to them. And you 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 taught something um, that was kind of beyond the four walls of a classroom. So I don't know. That mm-hmm. that's my that's my vocabulary spiel. The 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 more alive you can make words and really get kids to care about language and to like you said in their independent reading, start noticing. We want them to notice all of these things, but noticing why authors choose words. Why did they say it right. this way? You know, Ray Bradbury is a perfect example of that. His short stories, his novels too, but his short stories are so rich and his language. No one has, no one will ever write like Bray, Ray Bradbury because he is, he's a trellish. Yeah, exactly. He, he's the words he uses are so phenomenal. And mm-hmm. it's not like he's – I wouldn't say he's over complex in his prose, but he's – it's the exactctness of the way he writes. And it's it's absolutely incredible. But that that magic right there I think is is how you get kids engaged in in, in the, the work of vocabulary that isn't just, okay, I learned 10 vocabularies this week that I'm going to forget in two weeks, which, which is the bane of all vocabulary teaching, right? The, if, right? If kids are forgetting it in two weeks, what does it matter how much you drilled them? Right. Well, I do have a book to share. Okay. And that is Vocabulary Unplugged. It's by Lena Morris. She's a diamond trainer. Uh, You can find it on Amazon, but it's Vocabulary Unplugged. It's 30 lessons that will revolutionize how you teach vocabulary K-12. And she has lessons on how to use music, uh, how to play with words, uh, how to use movement, how to improve your memory, all kinds of stuff, exploring patterns, and uh, but it's all um, within the context of, of writing and understanding. So, but anyway, yeah. So that's a that, and I've been to her trainings, and they're pretty amazing. So she uses color. I've done her color vocabulary one, and so what it is is it's words have certain colors to them to help the tone of words and stuff. And so, so the kids would, I, when they come across those words that we're talking about, then they would determine what color would that word be kind of thing. And so, you know, is it a black word or is it a flowery word? You know, does it have, is it yellow? You know, so, and there's some other stuff she does, but that's one that I kind of remember. And, and uh, one of the, on her little uh, excerpt, it says, get out of the dark of the classroom and discover the energy that emerges from uh, learning all about vocabulary. So there you go. That's wonderful. Another book. I have not read that book, so I'll have to put that on. Yeah, it's Elena Morris. She's probably one of the most, um, she, she is an exceptional presenter. 
She would be a good one to have on. Hmm. Maybe I should get her. We should. We should. We mm-hmm. we're due for another guest. We we have we Laura Rob due. on, and we have a well. We had I guess we had Courtney right. So uh-huh. she she was on. So we'll we need to, we it's we're time for you know we need to, we need to make it a little regular. Maybe you know one a month ideal, but you know maybe one yeah, every maybe every every few months or so just to bring yeah. a different voice on. It's always good to have a different perspective, and and maybe we can get our. Uh, our old partner, because you don't, you she's on, she's your DC now, your department chair. I know but she's, she's not your boss. partner. Yeah, <laughs> oh, she was, she was actually doing vocabulary the other day, and what she did, you know, of course I went by and said, "What are you doing?" Because I'm going to have to steal it <laughs> anyway. And so she had five words, and this is words that she pulled out from what they were about to read, and they had to write uh, using those words. So they had to write something and they had to use the words, but it was in a article or whatever they were going to do. They were about to read uh, something that had all of those words in them. So she pulls the words out of, you know, out of the books that they're about to read. And then she makes them write using those words. And then when they get to the words in their reading, then they, they've got something to hang on to. Uh, and so they remember those words better. So that's what she was doing. And then that also made me think of two. That's another way, especially in the fifth grade and things like that. I would say if you could pull those words out and put them, uh, create kind of a shape that represents the theme or something of the book, uh, you know, like a little poster or something. And then the kids could attach those words within that. So, uh, let me give you a funny example, or at least to me, it was funny. Might not be funny to our audience. It may be too far out of context. I do not know. However, I I got to teach with uh, one of my favorite presenters. I have a lot of favorite people, but this is one of my favorite people. And she did what you did. She became a, a, a assistant principal, and so she left the realm. So I haven't been able to work with her. And she also moved far away. But she decided that, all, you know, we, when we were doing Abydos, we had to teach the theorist. And so the people that we had to teach about was Vygotsky and Bloom and, and Bruner and Piaget, right? So the, that's our group. We had to teach about them. She decided that all smart men have mustaches. <laughs> so I don't know why she thought that. Because <laughs> I said, well, then let's get a picture of all of them so they can remember them. Not a one of them had mustaches, but we were already committed. <laughs> But we were already committed. She apparently went. She went down to uh, I, I wanted the, a store and bought like mustaches for the whole audience so that they could all put on a mustache so they could be smart, like all the smart guys who don't have mustaches. Apparently, so anyway, I had created my poster because we were going to get them to learn some words. We were going to model that for them. And so I created this big, huge mustache. And so in our example, we said. We decided that all people who are smart have mustaches, you know, like the theorists, except when we looked them up, they didn't, but we're going with the mustaches. So y'all go be smarter, put on your mustaches. We gave them all mustaches. It's hilarious. And if you want to look, I don't know, it's out there somewhere with me with my mustache on. But anyway, so we get this big, huge uh, mustache. Uh, I made it out of paper, but all the words I wanted them to know before we actually taught, you know, like zone of proximal development, things like that. We put inside that mustache so they could always remember that these words go with these smart guys who don't wear mustaches. So anyway, but it worked. The people like at the end, we we debriefed them like a few days later. And 
I'll be daggum if they didn't remember those words. So, you know, hey, it works. But, you know, like, like, so like Owl Moon, that's a nice picture book. So you could either do a shape of an owl or a shape of a moon, right? And then all the new words that the kids don't have, you can put there and that would be your wall. So your little word wall becomes the shape of the theme of the book. So anyway, that's one thing you could do too to help help uh, tie that context in there. But anyway, I don't know if that flies the mustache thing, but it was funny. Because so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, they don't wear mustaches. She goes, well, we're going with it because I bought all the mustaches. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So we have a we have we have one more question to hit. Let's see if we can we can knock this one out. All righty. So this one this one's a unique one. We're we're excited this one exists, uh, and you guys mm-hmm. will know here in a second. It's a so it, it it's 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 good. Let's read this. It says okay. Morning, Jacob says. I hope you are doing well, and the new administration role is suiting you. I can't imagine the change in the job role that you're currently working through. Oh my goodness, it is a change, but you are attacking <laughs> it. I'm sure you're attacking it with your usual energy and charisma. I'm still an avid listener. Uh, and the Craft and Draft book system I've been using this year has been amazing for my class. I've done everything through just your verbal podcast, so my books probably look a little different, which I know is absolutely fine, and it is. My question for you, or the wonderful Pam, involves publishing. Aww. I've told and shown my kids their year five in New Zealand examples of things uh, they can create to publish their work, but they limit themselves to just writing or typing it up. We have a video system to upload things too, but that remains unused, as does things like creating posters, actual letters, etc., etc. There are resources readily available for them to create wonderful pieces with colored paper, crayons, glues, etc. too. I'm wondering if this would be normal in your classrooms too, and whether there are any minor nuggets of inspiration that you've used to help your children to start being a bit more creative when creating their publishing pieces. Uh, He attaches a a picture, which is wonderful, and he said he is constantly impressed with what his freedom to write enables them to produce, and that that's the case always, right? He anyone that goes through this process, when the moment you give choice, it's scary at first, but once you do it, the the amount of volume, the work, the creativity, it's, it's unmatched. I think that's what fires everyone up that does this work is, is really how amazing kids are. So that's wonderful. Um, but essentially it's, you know, pieces, how do you get more creative things? And here's the thing, my publishing wall, his pub, he, so he sends this picture here. I'll share, if I can share my well here, I closed out my email. I have to show you in a minute. But his oh here, let me do it, Ocho, because I want you to I want you to see a context to this. Okay, all I'm right. Share this, but while I'm gonna, I'm going to multitask here. So while uh, my public his publishing wall looks more creative than mine, I, I share. <laughs> So I've, I've shared, so, uh, I've put pictures of my walls on my Instagram. So if our friend, uh, if if he is, is listening right now, which hopefully he is, um, our, our friend Matt, he, uh, he can go look at mine and on my Instagram and you know, they're they're They are creative, but he's, he's added some color to his stuff, which is nice. And it looks like there's a lot here. So let me, I'm trying to find a button. I'm not multitasking very well. Miss Ochoa. This is what happens when I, I do multiple things at once. Here we go. I found the button. So this is his publishing wall. You see it? 
Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, right? I mean, these kids I are. Do. You see I do. I'm going to steal it. You see different structures. I love the colored paper behind it. That's, I do too. I, actually, Jacob, I just ordered from Amazon colored paper that looks like some of that. So, hey. Very cool. And there's anyway, this, keep going. you see this thing in the it. middle. It almost looks like a timeline. I wonder what I don't. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that is. That's interesting. But you have. I mean, there's pictures. There's. It looks like there's no cards on here. I mean, it's very cool. I mean, this is this is a. If I walked Love into a it. classroom and I saw this, what what does that tell you about this teacher? Just looking at this without knowing context. What, is, what do we know? Well, we know that it's a writing classroom. That's right. We know that he um, cares about his students mm-hmm. and he cares uh, deeply about their own words and he's given them voice and a place to voice, uh, to share that voice. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. that right there. You know, <laughs> that's such an admin question. What do we know about this teacher when we walk into the room? <laughs> and I answered. Yeah. Yes. But and it's so awesome. that's it. I mean, it's it's great. So first of all, Matt, I mean, you should be super proud of what you're oh, already yes. doing and exciting. And I think it's awesome. You know, we it, I. When kids would publish, we did, they did other things. Like they had some other products that, uh, they, they accomplished in my space. You know, we did, I've experimented with doing some video PowerPoints, projects and stuff like that, but kids just became obsessed with the actual publishing process of seeing their pieces on the wall and, uh, even when we started, like when I started putting pieces on the wall, I had like strict guidelines. I was like, I did like the typical 12 point font times new Roman. And it wasn't because I wanted to control it. It was because I was trying to teach them, you know, quote unquote, the, the world of, you know, writing for high school or college or whatever. And then I was like, I had so many kids go, well, why we're in sixth grade. And I was like, that's a good point. All right, let's have fun. You know, it's like it was, it was, you know, it was like you, you have your whole life to learn how to, how to format something to be double space, 12 point font and all that other stuff. It's not that complicated. So it's more important that you care about what you want to write about and what it looks like. But I, so I would say I, for me, I never even, it wasn't that I didn't want them to. It's just that they were already writing and doing this so much that it never, it was never really a drive for me, so to speak. Um, but I see the value in it, and I, I I wanted to bring this question up today because I know Miss Ochoa, you you are so good at finding different ways. I mean, Abydos is for anyone that sits through the training or reads the book. I mean that the the that book and the resources that it's given. You know, at uh, the acts of and, writing, uh, yeah, acts of teaching, the acts of teaching. Sorry, it's it's filled okay. with different ways that kids can publish and put their words down. Linda Reese book that we've been referencing, she has wonderful systems for this as well. So Matt, I go by whispering in the wind. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible. Penny Kittle talks about it as well, doing some interesting like two page spreads. Travis Crowder has talked about it. So there, I, I think there's, there's a lot of options, but it, I mean, it looks like there's a lot of options here already. You see there's blackout poetry. It looks like in this picture, um, there's all kinds of, stuff. So my, my answer is, uh, I would, if you want kids to start going beyond what you're doing, cause it sounds like he has a video thing and, and some other ways to interact. If you want kids to use those, then I don't see any harm than assigning that. Like if you want them to interact with it, because sometimes even if you're showing them examples, so unless you're really guiding kids through it, sometimes they just don't see the value in it yet. And they, and some of them will, and some of them might. So if you, like we would do research papers. And so for my, when 
even though kids are mostly picking what they are writing all year long, every once in a while I would say, okay, so we're going to do a research paper. What are the elements of a research paper? We do that. And then I would help them go through that process. Some of them end with, man, I really like doing this. I liked writing this. And some go, all right, well, hopefully I don't have to do that again until next year or whenever. Um, and so that might be something that he could do is maybe for three weeks, two weeks, a week, whatever he wants to do say, okay, so let's, let's take something and do a video for it, walk them through the process, guide them, let them create it. And then that way they have that experience to where they, they go from not being resistant to really seeing the value in it, at least on an experiential level. I don't know. What would you say if, if someone wanted to go beyond the quote unquote, just, just kind of putting pieces, printing them out, typing them up and put publishing them on the wall? Well, I mean, some of the things that I've done is, and you mentioned that book, but I've taught my students how to do, um, and of course, you know, it's me moving beyond the standard or not really. I mean, somebody might tell me that's not in the standards, but uh, I have actually taught kids to do pop-up books and things like that. So I think, but I have to do it too. So one of the things that I would do is like maybe model for them and like say, Hey, I want to see something you've never done before. And that would be part of your rubric. Uh, wow me. That might be a part of the rubric. Uh, could be, uh, try some, you know, like try something new. Um, but I see that you have uh, matte colors and, and crayons and all of that. I have all of that too. And, um, uh, and as a matter of fact, I did just buy a whole lot of stuff from Amazon again for just for myself. I mean, just so that I think we have it at our school, but I don't always, I just like being in control of my own stuff. <laughs> so sometimes I'll just buy it myself. So I bought all these markers and all this stuff and all this paper. And I've even created, remember when I did those poetry books? And the students had to, I mean, they had to uh, make it their own, represent themselves. But I think the thing is having those um, uh, paper and all of that available, but actually showing them models. So like maybe create one and then uh, show them what it looks like. Uh, so sometimes that's what I do is I'll try different things like the, like I created this really cool um uh, pop-up book and I'll show it to the students and then they'll go, I want to do that. And then I'll say, okay, well, let me show you how to do it. And so when I show it to them, I, then I'll say, okay, find a piece that you've been writing and see if it'll fit. Yeah. You know, make a picture book, make a, this. So, so, uh, so we do several things like that. And so, but I think it starts with modeling maybe, or finding some examples and showing them some examples, even if they're your examples, uh, and seeing all the different things. And then to ask them to wow you, ask them to go beyond something, you know, like try to, that's what I do when I encourage my GT kids. When I have GT kids, I'll say, try to do something that you don't think anybody else will do. And that's part of their challenge. So sometimes I do that and then that helps. And then maybe go out and find like professionally done, uh, maybe pop-up books or professionally done, uh, different types of ways that people publish, you know, in, infomercials and all different kinds of things and show that to them and ask them to pick one and do it. So you can give them like what you said, Jacob, you can give them, make it an assignment, but put options in there, like give them like, look at all of these things and then see if you want to pick one of those and, and imitate it or create your own. 
And so make that creativity a part of their of their grade. But don't make it so much of a part of the grade that that it fails them. But you can make it something where, okay, you get a 95 if you do everything. But if you add a little creativity, you get that 100. Or, you know, you can change, you know, sometimes I'll do that. I'll have a, a wow factor added to my rubric. So if you do everything I ask you to do, that's going to be an A. But if you want that A+, plus, that perfect score, you got to go beyond. And so sometimes I've done that as well. Don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that he's even thinking about that, because that shows, oh, yeah. I mean, he's, Matt is clearly someone, he, he he's doing workshop. I mean, he's doing craft and draft. He, his kids are writing already. They're, they're publishing. They're doing all this wonderful stuff. And so now he's at that teacher level where he's like, okay, so what's the, how do I bring this to the next level? Right. Right. And so I, that's a great place to be, you know, and I think it really comes down to, just figuring out what is the thing that's going to get your kids moving in the direction that you want them to. You know, if you if you truly want them to use video or multimodal or multimedia, um, then just finding ways to do that. You know, one of the things that I would love, um, like how I got kids. So from getting kids to write in different genres, for instance, if people are or if, if kids are writing, you know, only one thing, you know, that's awesome. I, th- I, I want to encourage that. I want them to do that. But, you know, we are in the business of teaching and, and expanding and we have standards and stuff. So we have to get them to in, interact with other genres, at least to a certain degree. And so one of the things that we've talked about on the show before is, you know, have them write. Let's say they're, they're, they pick a topic and they write a poem. Cool. Okay, so now take that idea and write a nonfiction piece with it or write a fiction piece or make a video from Mm -hmm. your thing. And so that way is you're you're guiding them there, but it's still they still have all the freedom as normal. They still have all the choice. They're still in control. It's still based on their interests. It's still based on what they want to do with it. But as the teacher, you're just spurring them a little farther. And I think doing those small tweaks, I think eventually Matt will end up where he wants to be. He just needs to kind of figure, you know, feel out his class, figure out what really makes his students go. You know, if it's competition, that could be a thing if it's a, if it's a grade centric school or classroom, um, that could also be a thing. But uh, you know, if if the, you really have a great culture, um, all it takes is just plopping that right idea down right where they need to be, and kids will go. So, I think mm-hmm. he's he's already a rock star. He's already killing it. So that that would be that's 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 my advice right there. I don't know. It's it's really about uh, what happens. I hope whether Matt takes our advice or he figures out uh, something new. Matt, email us again when you get some of these creations. We this this writing wall is mm-hmm. amazing. So we, we always have an open invitation. If y'all want to send us pictures of stuff, we love seeing it. We're dorks about all that stuff. So oh yeah. In any case, ladies and gentlemen, that we're, it's been an hour. So let's close out. This has been the Craft and Draft Podcast. Let's pay much I'm Jacob Chastain. We love what we do. We really, really, really do. We're excited to continue this and talk about it. We're excited that this month, and it's not even over yet. Well, at the time of hearing this, it will be over. But at the time of recording this, it is not over. Um, this is one of the biggest months we've ever had of downloads. So thank you, everyone, for who has mm-hmm. uh, been supporting us and obviously our patrons, but everyone else who just downloads and shares the podcast. You know, it, it's so fascinating to hear that people, um, you know, that we're, we're a part of your lineage that, you know, to talk about lineages again, that we're, we're a part of that conversation. So hopefully you're, you show up and, uh, 
and we, we bring some joy to your, your teacher life, whether we're just adding to it or we're the team you have because you're at a small school and there's just not a lot of teams out there. So regardless, we drop an episode every single Friday. Come back, subscribe, don't miss anything, leave a review if you have not already. Send us a question if you have one. Patrons get first dibs, but hey, you never know. Send an email. We may just answer it like we did today. But with all that said, know that we are here for you. <laughs>